The Democrats are scared of this one thing. It is way too late for the Democrats to reject the riots. And have we been being misled by the COVID numbers this entire time? This is the American Outlaw Patriot Show. for a Labor Day Monday. How's everybody doing out there? I hope everybody's having a great Labor Day today. Whatever you may be doing, if you're spending time with family or you're just flying solo, hey, ain't nothing wrong with that. This is the American Outlaw Patriots Show. I am your host, Mr. AOP himself, Mr. Uncensored, Mr. Rated R Podcast Star. As some people ask me, they say, man, why, why do you call yourself the American Outlaw Patriot? Well, hell is simple. First of all, I'm American. Makes sense, right? Second of all, I have an outlaw state of mind. I tend to have a little problem with authority from time to time, and I don't live by your damn rules. I make my own. Thank you very much. Third of all, I'm a patriot. I love this country. I think the United States of America is the greatest country in the history of the known universe. Despite all the bullshit that we're going through, despite the liberals and the, and the Democrats trying to destroy the foundation of this country, the United States is still the best country in the world. That's why everybody wants to come here, right? They ain't coming here because we're inherently racist. They're coming here because we're the greatest country in the world. So with that being said, I, I got a little warning. I got to get this warning out of the way a little bit. So if you have a weak heart out there, this show ain't going to be for you. You know, it, those, those under 17, 18 probably shouldn't be listening to this show. There's going to be a lot of, uh, a lot of four letter words coming out here. There'll be some few F bombs from time to time, but Hey, I'm, I'm from Texas. So F bombs are just like commas down here. So, you know, they they may slip into the conversation from time to time. If you're a snowflake liberal, this show damn sure ain't going to be for you. So, you know, if, if you don't like straight talk, if you want to be bullshitted, if you want to be, you know, if you want to have smoke blown up your ass, this ain't the show for you. Hey, no, no harm, no foul. I got no problem with you clicking off this show right now. The show ain't for you. That's all right. What this show is for, this show is for the patriots out there, the true men and women that love this country, that are tired of being lied to and bullshitted by the deep state mockingbird media that all they do, they lie they distort the truth, they mislead, they push their agenda. I have no agenda here, folks. I'm just going to cover the news, what's going on in this country, and I'm just going to give my two cents, maybe five cents, maybe ten cents sometimes, on what's going on. So this show's either for you or it's not. And if it's not, that's fine. There's a lot of other shows out there. So with that being said, I got that out of the way. Uh, real quick, before we get into this first story, because we have some breaking news in the George Floyd saga. But first, before I do, if you're watching this on YouTube, please hit that subscribe button. I know this is the very first episode, and you might be a little timid about hitting that subscribe button on somebody who's just starting out. But I'm going to be bringing you new shows starting every Monday 
We're going to have the full podcast up on the YouTube. We're going to have the podcast on Anchor FM. If you don't have that app right now, please download it or install the app on on uh, the iPhone or Android, whatever you use. Um, we're going to be getting this show out on, on iTunes and Spotify here in the real near future. But we, we got a little waiting process we got to do. So for now, the show is going to be on Anchor every Monday. We're going to be on YouTube starting every Monday. And I'm going to try to have little videos out with clips from the show throughout the week as well. So if you don't want to watch the whole podcast and you, you don't have maybe, you know, 30, 45 minutes, an hour to sit there and, and watch the whole podcast on YouTube, that's fine. I'm going to try to kind of divide up some clips here and there. So you can just kind of get little nuggets or just, you know, maybe you're more interested in one one story than you are another, and that's fine, you know, to each their own. But we're going to try to take care of all of you folks, whether you're listening on podcasts, whether you're watching on YouTube, please make sure and hit that subscribe button. Share this with as many people as you can. we got to get the word out, people. You know, we're, we're being lied to every day, and as we're, we're two months away from the election. So it's just going to be a lot more bullshit out there from the media. There's going to be more lies. You already see them doing it. You already see what they're trying to pull, saying what Trump said about our troops and stuff. We know it's bullshit. We know it's all lies. We know they're just making this stuff up. So we got to get the word out. We got to get uh, we got to get enough patriots out there that uh, you know won't won't be misled. That they, they want the truth. Because I, I tell you right now, I'm going to always do my best. I'm going to be honest. I'm going to be truthful with you. I'm going to try to my very best to get these stories straight. Sometimes you might even see me wait a week or so before I actually kind of talk about something because I want to make sure that we're getting the right information out to you. So with that in mind, if you don't mind, I'm going to take a little sip. I got me a little uh, little Crawford Bach. I don't know anybody, if you're watching, you're listening, you're from the Houston area, this Crawford Bach from the Carbach Brewing Company, this is a damn good beer right here. Like I'm no longer even an Astros fan. Um, you know, that's another story for another day, but and this Crawford box really good. So enjoying a beer on a Labor Day, a little, little swig of beer for the working man out there. And with that being said, folks, we're going to get right into our first story. Now, like I said, we have some breaking news in the George Floyd saga. I don't, I don't know if anybody out there is even talking about this. I, I'll have to be honest with you. I really don't watch cable news anymore. I, I don't, I can't watch Fox News. You know, I just... Every once in a while, I'll catch a few minutes of Tucker's show, you know, just to kind of see what he's saying or what's going on there. But, you know, I, I kind of stopped watching Hannity's show a while back. I stopped watching Laura Ingram's and, and it's nothing against them. You know, I believe both of them are, are 100% patriots and, and I love both of them for what they do. And they're out there fighting a good fight every day. And I got nothing but respect for them, but just my personal preference, I had to kind of get myself away from, from all the cable news. You know, it's just, to me, it's just a bunch of entertainment shows, and that's really all it is. I mean, nobody's really breaking any news. You know, by the time it reaches Hannity's show or Laura Ingram's show, we've done heard about it all day long. So, you know, I kind of, I stopped getting my news from there. I'll, I'll get my news from news stories online. And then what I'll do, there's a really good site out there. If you if you want to see what, what both sides of the aisle are saying about a news topic, go to allsides.com. It'll give you news stories from the left, news stories from the right, news stories from the center. Although I'd really be careful about a lot of the story sources that they rate as being in the center. 
for instance, USA Today, they have rated as, as being a center of the aisle source when clearly they've moved left and they're moving further left every day. So just kind of be careful what you where you get your, your news from, but get it from both sides. Get it from both sides and then make up your mind. Make up your own opinion about what you think's going on here. But we have breaking news in the George Floyd case. It says, new absolutely shocking evidence presented in the George Floyd case. And like I said, I really haven't heard anything about this, so... I apologize. This was a story done on townhall.com by Katie Pavlich. And it says attorneys for Minneapolis police officer, Derek Chavanna requesting the dismissal of murder and manslaughter charges against him for the death of George Floyd. They're using and get this folks. They're using the police training manual as justification. Now you may be saying, well, what is it in the police training manual? That's going to get him off of murder and manslaughter charges. According to the Minneapolis Police Department training manual, officers are shown how to subdue violent or resisting suspects by placing their knee on their neck. There is actually a photo here, which you can see right here. There's a photo from the police manual where it shows the police officer how to subdue somebody who's on the ground by placing their knee on the back of the person's neck. And it says, this, was, this one is absolutely shocking. I mean, this is what the whole story is about. This is what outraged millions and millions of people. This is what caused the protest. It was the knee on the neck. And now the defense is saying, dismiss the charges because the knee on the neck is right there in the police training manual. So why did Chavin continue holding his knee on Floyd's neck after he became responsive? Now, that's a good question. I thought about that too. Well, There comes a point where everyone is telling him, look, he's not responding anymore. I want our viewers to get familiar with the very important word here. It's called excited delirium. Actually, that'd be two very important words. That's what he's going to use to explain why when Floyd was no longer responsive, he continued with the knee on the neck because that when you talk about excited delirium, it's about people who use drugs, which they're going to claim they saw him using. That's why they're talking about the tablet on the tongue, bizarre behavior. We saw that, but eventually it gets to something that's called superhuman strength. Oftentimes, people in that position, they show superhuman strength, and the picture shows you how you are supposed to restrain people when you are afraid for excited delirium. Newly released court documents show Floyd had a fatal level of fentanyl in his system when he died. He also resisted arrest before being placed on the ground by officers. So, what is this saying? From what we know, what we've seen from the body cam footage, what we've what we've heard, what we've read since George Floyd's death and more and more has come out, George Floyd, from the moment he was detained at his vehicle and was being walked to the police officer's vehicle, was saying he couldn't breathe. So this wasn't something that happened just because he was on the ground. He said he couldn't breathe all along. Well... A lot of that had to do with the, the excessive amount of drugs that were in his system. It was a fatal amount. Now, when he got to the, to the police officer's vehicle, to Officer Chavin's v- police car, he resisted being put in the car. So right there, he's resisting arrest. He even asked the officers, put him on the ground. So they do. But the problem is, is when you have somebody who's on drugs, when you have somebody, and George Floyd was no small man by any means. 
He was a big old cat. You you put him on the ground. He's on drugs, so you don't know what he's going to do because he's already resisted. So you go to the police manual that says put your knee on his neck, which he did, and he called for an ambulance. So where do they go from here? Well, I don't think it's going to be dismissed. I don't think he's going to get any of the charges dismissed. I would think at the very best he could get murder dismissed, but I think what they're going to nail him on is the second degree manslaughter. And when I say nail him, I don't mean he's going to be convicted. I don't think Derek Chauvin is going to be convicted on any of the three charges. And he is charged with third degree murder, second degree murder and second degree manslaughter. Well, he's going to walk on the two murder charges because now the cause of death is basically from the fatal amount of fentanyl that was in George Floyd's system. That was the cause of death, which caused basically his heart to fail. So he's going to walk easily on the murder charges, and I wouldn't be surprised if they didn't even get dismissed um, during discovery and the prelims and everything. But they're going to go to trial on a second-degree manslaughter. They're going to allow the state to make their case on that because I do believe the state should be able to make a case on second-degree manslaughter. I don't think they'll win, but I think they should at least be able to make their case. This is all part of due process. It works on it works for both sides. Not only people who are accused of a crime, but for the states and the governments and things, they should also be able to have due process. And if there's a, enough evidence there, whether it be concrete or circumstantial, they should be able to get to make their case. So I believe they should get to make their case for second-degree manslaughter, but ultimately I do believe that George Floyd is going to walk on that second-degree manslaughter charge. And the other officers that were charged for basically aiding and abetting, they're all going to walk on those. Now, what what's this going to do? What I think you're going to see is you're going to see more riots and protesting and looting and burning. And I would like to say that you would see, you know, a reaction like we haven't seen since Rodney King, the, the verdict of those police officers. But unfortunately, we've, We've been seeing this reaction for months now. So I don't think you're going to see anything new. I think you're just going to see it ramped up in Minneapolis and all across Minnesota and probably some other cities across the country as well. Um, The American people, as far as the Antifa terrorists and the Black Lives Matter terrorists, they're not going to be happy with him skating on murder charges and second-degree manslaughter and basically walking out of prison. They're not going to like it. But folks, I'm here to tell you, that's what's going to happen. Get ready for it. It's going to happen. From a legal point of view, they do not have a case for manslaughter. They definitely don't have one for murder. Because now they can argue that he did it by the book. He did it by the book. You remember that term, by the book? Remember Susan Rice sending that email to herself on the day of Trump's inauguration? Hey, we're investigating Trump. By the book. President Obama wants it by the book. Well, Derek Chauvin did it by the book. And I think he's going to walk on all three charges. So that's our breaking news there in the George Floyd saga. If anything else comes out, I will bring it to you because we need to stay on top of this. We don't need to let this stuff fall through the cracks. We need to get people prepared for what's coming down the road. And 
This is what we're looking at. So now we're going to turn from the George Floyd case into the Jacob Blake case, which to me, this is, this is just completely stupid. It's completely idiotic. And there's a story here that was in Red State. Uh, written by Bonchi. He goes by Bonchi, he or she. I'm guessing it's a he, but it goes by Bonchi. And I really like Bonchi's stuff in Red State. If you get ever, ever get a chance, look at redstate.com and, and read some of Bonchi's articles. They're really good. And, and the title is, Here's the Dumbest Argument Against the Police in the Jacob Blake Case and What the Facts Show. Earlier this morning, we saw the release of the criminal complaint filed against Jacob Blake led to the encounter led to his encounter with police. We learned that Blake had not only allegedly sexually assaulted the woman involved, but that he had taken her keys and was presumably trying to steal her car. We also know that he had a knife, had assaulted officers, and that there were children in the car he was attempting to either reach into or flee in when police shot him. So here's the thing. I'm not going to go through this whole article here. But basically, here's what we know. So he was shot seven times. Now, you can make an argument. Did he really need to be shot seven times? Maybe not, but were the police justified in discharging their weapons? Absolutely. 100% they were justified. And here's why you had a guy that they were trying to serve a warrant on for sexual assault. He resists arrest. He assaults police officers. He tells the police officers that he has a knife in the car. There are two, I believe it was two children in the car. And Two police officers had already used their tasers against Jacob to no, no effect. He resists arrest and he goes into the car. At this point, the police officers pull their weapons and fire seven shots into Jacob Blake. Now, Jacob Blake is still alive. From what I understand, he's paralyzed from the waist down due to his gunshot injuries, but you have to put yourself in the shoes of a police officer. And I know that's going to be hard for a lot of you. And, for, and you know, I'm by no means an expert, but, you know, I, I try to put myself in their shoes. And I ask myself, what would I do in this situation? I'm a police officer. I roll up to a scene. I'm trying to arrest this guy on sexual assault charges. So we already know he's potentially violent. He resists arrest and he assaults police officers. So now we know he's violent. He has informed us that he has a weapon in the car, albeit a knife, but still a weapon. So we know he's violent. We know he's dangerous and we know there's a weapon in the car. We also know that there's young children in the car. At this point, the suspect goes into the vehicle. I don't know what he's going to do. I don't know if he's going in there to hurt the children. I don't know if he's going to jump in his car and drive off. And there's a lot of liberals out there and Democrats that said the police officer should have let him just drive off, get him some other time. But you don't know what's going to happen to those children when he gets in that car. Is he going to hurt those kids? Is he going to fly down the road, get into an accident and kill those kids? I'm not going to let that happen as a police officer. I'm sorry. It's not going to happen. If I have to make a choice that night between Jacob Blake's life and those children's lives, 
I'm, I'm going to make sure that those children make it home safely that night. And I know that's not a very politically correct thing to say, but you know what? I really don't give a damn. If I'm in that police officer's shoes, I discharge my weapon and I fire my rounds into Jacob Blake. I do what I got to do to stop him from getting into that car, driving off with those kids, or reaching in because he may have been lying. He may have said, I have a knife in the car, and he pulls out a gun. And at that point, if I don't have my weapon discharged from my holster, ready to fire, I'm not going home to my family that night. And that's just not going to happen. So the police are 100% justified in what they did. A lot of you might not like hearing it. Again, I really don't care. That's my opinion. I believe they're justified. And I believe all the riots and the violence and the looting that has taken place as a result of that is all unjustified. So that's what we got. There's the latest in, in Jacob Blake's case. And I know a lot of you, you may not have really kind of heard the whole story of what happened. And so there, there's basically the, the story of what happened to Jacob Blake in a nutshell. Now, when it comes to all this violence, when it comes to the rioting and the looting and, you know, the people being attacked on the streets night in and night out, don't forget, because the media is trying to make you forget, and the Democrats are trying to make you forget, Joe Biden and Kamala Harris are trying to make you forget, the Democrats are the ones that encourage this. They encourage the rioting. They encourage the violence in the streets and the mobs and the Antifa and Black Lives Matter terrorists. They encouraged it. They want to act like they don't now because the polls are hurting them on that, but they encouraged it. And in another townhall.com piece written by Katie Pavlich. She says, don't forget, Democrats encouraged and endorsed the violent mob. On June 23rd, 2018, Democratic Congresswoman Maxine Waters told a crowd of her supporters that it was time to attack Trump supporters in the streets. You think we're rallying now? You ain't seen nothing yet, she screamed. Already you have members of your cabinet that, be, that are being booed out of restaurants, protesters taken up at their house saying no peace, no sleep. If you see anybody from that cabinet in a restaurant, in a department store, at a gasoline station, you get out and you create a crowd and you push back on them and you tell them they're not welcome anymore anywhere. Since the moment President Trump won the White House in November 2016, Democrats have deployed violent tactics subverting a traditional peaceful transfer of power in an effort to intimidate Americans. The day of President Trump's inauguration, violent protesters formed human chains in order to block attendees from getting into the event on the National Mall. Cabinet officials, Republican lawmakers, and White House staffers were harassed in public. On June 14, 2017, Bernie Sanders supporter James Hodgkinson opened fire on a baseball field hoping to kill as many Republicans practicing for the annual congressional baseball game. House Whip Steve Scalise was shot and nearly died. And now as we get closer to the election, we see the violence just being amped up. That's all they're, that's all they're doing. And the Democrats for the longest time were just sitting there turning a blind eye to it. The media was telling us that they were mostly peaceful. These people causing mayhem in the streets were mostly peaceful. CNN reporters doing stories in front of buildings being burned down behind them had the balls to say, hey, nothing to see here. Don't worry about this. 
mostly peaceful. Well, you know, there was a night back in 1993 that O.J. Simpson was mostly peaceful. Well, other than that hour or so where he was stabbing and killing people, other than that, he was mostly peaceful. Nothing to see there. So the Democrats encouraged this shit. They egged it on. They've been adding to it with their rhetoric day in and day out for months. I know they're bored. I know there's a lot, you know, that we can't do right now because of the coronavirus. But that's no excuse to be encouraging violence in the streets. And it, and it's starting to backfire on them and with Democrats actually turning on their own party, on their own politicians, on their own lawmakers. Don't forget, the Democrats were the ones who endorsed all this. They're the ones that that encouraged the mob, encouraged the violence. But I guarantee you one thing. If President Trump gets reelected, you're going to see him shut this shit down immediately. He's not going to give a rat's ass what any of these Democratic mayors and governors have to say. He's going to send in people to shut this shit down with extreme prejudice, and I hope he does it. I hope he sends the whoever he's got to into these cities, into these states, and he puts an end to this shit once and for all. Because if he's in his second term, he ain't got to worry about how he looks politically. What he needs to do is he needs to knock this stuff out because obviously the local and state lawmakers won't step in and stop the violence. All right, folks, I just wanted to take a moment real quick to say again, if you're watching this on YouTube, please hit the subscribe button. If you're listening to this right now on Anchor, hit that subscribe button. I believe it's it's a star that will subscribe you to this podcast so that you don't miss one. We're going to be coming out every Monday with a brand new podcast, the American Outlaw Patriots show every Monday. So if we've been being lied to about this whole COVID thing from the beginning, there's a story on townhall.com by Bronson... Bronson stocking, I apologize. And it says, oops, it looks like the vast majority of positive COVID results should have been negative. Testing, testing, testing. That's how Pelosi and the Democrats say we'll defeat defeat the coronavirus. Meanwhile, President Trump and his administration are conducting Operation Warp Speed at breakneck pace to develop therapeutics, diagnostics, and a vaccine for the Wuhan flu. Unlike testing, treatments will actually do something for you when you come down sick with the disease. But now we're learning the overwhelming majority of those who have tested positive for the coronavirus should really have been found negative all along. According to the New York Times, potentially 90% of those who have tested positive for COVID-19 have such insignificant amounts of the virus present in their bodies that such individuals do not need to isolate nor are they candidates for contact tracing. So basically, they told Leading public health experts are now concerned that tested, everybody needs to be is tested. responsible for misdiagnosing a huge well, number of people. The problem is, is the virus in their you have people that aren't necessarily sick running out to get tested and by the thousands and the millions. And what they're doing is they're taking away tests and, and time from doctors that could be spent testing people who actually are sick with this virus. So you're creating a log jam of testing. And the more tests that, that these people have to process, 
the more likely you are to get false positives because you're just rushed there. I mean, and it's, and it's not really on them. I'm not saying that they're doing it on purpose. It's just, there's only so much that the people that are processing these tests can do in a day. So when you're doing that, more tests are going to come back with false positives because you're just rushing through the process. You know, if you do less testing only when needed, you can really focus on processing those tests, processing them correctly, and getting the correct diagnosis from this. So it goes on. So if over-testing is causing bottlenecks that keep us from identifying contagious people in time, what does the New York Times believe this solution should be? More testing. Yes, seriously, that's what the New York Times said. Too many tests are causing misdiagnosis. Well, we've got the answer for that. And the answer is more testing. I've got a fever. And the only cure for that fever is more cowbell. Well, apparently the New York Times has a fever, and the cure for their fever is more testing. Even though they say more testing is what's causing this problem to begin with. The Times has now modified its call for more testing by saying everyone should specifically get a rapid test, which has a higher threshold for the quantity of the virus needed in order to render a positive result. And this is what the Times says. In what may be a step in this direction, the Trump administration announced on Thursday that it would purchase 150 million rapid tests. A step? Folks, there's about 330 million people in this country. President Trump is looking to order 150 million rapid tests. That's basically half the damn country. And the New York Times refers to this, well, this is a step in the right direction. No, this is a hell of a step. This is more than a step. This is like halfway through a 100-yard dash in the right direction. It looks like the CDC was right and not the New York Times when the CDC issued guidance saying not everybody and their mothers should get tested for COVID-19. Folks, unless you're sick, unless you have an underlying health condition, or unless you live with somebody who is uh, more susceptible to get this virus, you don't need to get tested. There's no point. If you're asymptomatic and you get tested and you test positive, who gives a shit? What, what are you getting tested for? What is a positive test going to do for you if you're showing no symptoms of the virus? I mean, it, it's a shame that more people just can't use a little common sense and figure this shit out on their own. So, if the coronavirus has made one thing clear, it's that so-called scientists and experts are wrong all the time. They can't accurately forecast a virus. They tell us different things about the effectiveness of a face mask. They insist the virus can't spread at left-wing protests. And there's a myriad of other examples too long to document here, showing us the experts are really just making it all up as they go along with their political biases on display for everyone with eyes to see. Very well written, Bronson Stocking from townhall.com. Very, very well said. 100% agree with that. We have been lied to, we've been bullshitted, we've been misled, and we've been exposed to the fact that these people don't know what the hell they're talking about from week to week. 
One week, wear a mask. Next week, don't wear a mask. One week, everybody needs to have a mask. Next week, uh, only certain people need a mask. It's just gotten ridiculous with what they're telling us. So it, it, it seems like we've been misled. Now, again, information's changing every single day. Every single day there's something new, and, and we really need to, we need to find some sources that will give us the, the facts, the data, the numbers, and skip all the bullshit. Skip the, the political bias. This virus is not political. The only, the only way this virus has been political is because of the people that have made it political. As in those on the left, those in the media, the Democrats, they've all made this thing political from day one. We should not be sheltering in place. We should not be running out to get tested in masks. We should not be wearing masks unless we have the virus, we have an underlying health condition, we are elderly, or we live with somebody who is highly susceptible to get this virus. Other than that, nobody should be wearing masks. Nobody should be sheltering in place. We should be allowed to live our lives as we see fit. Now we are going to get to our main story. And our main story for today is that the Democrats are absolutely scared to death of this one thing. What are they scared to death of? Well, the Democrats are scared to death of Joe Biden debating President Trump. Nancy Pelosi has come out several times and she said that Joe Biden should not even consider debating President Trump. But what's weird is that the reasons that they all give for not wanting to debate President Trump are exactly the reasons that Joe Biden should debate President Trump. So Nancy Pelosi has come out and said that President Trump, all he does is lie, all he does is distort the truth, and all Joe Biden is going to be doing during a debate is, is constantly fact-checking President Trump. Therefore, he should not give Trump the time of day. He should not give any kind of credibility to President Trump or what he's got to say. But you realize that makes absolutely zero sense. Because if you think about it, and I'm pulling a Joe Biden, you think about it, you know? If I'm debating somebody, and the person I'm debating is a habitual liar, I want to get on that debate stage more than anything in the world. I am begging and scratching and clawing and doing everything I can to get my ass on that debate stage. Why? Because my opponent's a freaking liar. That's why. And if I'm going to spend my whole time on that debate stage fact-checking them, I'm going to look good. I'm going to look good to the American people. My opponent's going to look like an idiot. He's going to look like an asshole up there lying his ass off to everybody, and I'm going to be the one busting him and nailing him on every lie that comes out of his mouth. So why do the Democrats not want that? Well, 
It has nothing to do with the fact that they think President Trump is going to be lying about anything or that Joe Biden's going to be fact-checking anybody. Because quite honestly, Joe Biden can't fact-check anyone. Joe Biden doesn't know where the hell he is most of the time. He doesn't know who his wife is, doesn't know where his sister is, doesn't know what city he's in, and he can't read a fucking teleprompter without screwing that up, as he's done several times. Folks, Joe Biden is in trouble, and the Democrats know it. I'm going to play you a little clip. Let me go to this clip real quick. This is Joe Biden, who recently did a, I wouldn't even call it a press conference or a rally. He showed up in Pittsburgh, and he talked to like five reporters. There were no Biden supporters there. And the five reporters were just kind of scattered around this airplane hangar is what it looked like. But this is what Joe Biden had to say when it came to COVID-19. COVID has taken this year, just since the outbreak, has taken more than 100 years. Look, here's the lives. It's just, it's when I mean, you think about it, more lives this year than any other year for the past 100 years. More lives, folks, more lives this year than the last hundred years. I mean, I just, I, I don't, I don't even know what to say to that. This is what Donald Trump is up against. This is what the Democrats are going to be rolling out on the debate stage with President Trump. Folks, it has nothing to do with fact checking. It has to do with the fact that they know that without a teleprompter, Joe Biden is a walking clusterfuck of a human being. And with the teleprompter, he's really not much better. They know he's going to get on that stage and he's going to have to ad-lib. Because here's the thing. In 2016, in the Democratic primary, we know that Hillary Clinton was fed the questions ahead of time. And I have to admit, even at this point, I really don't give a shit if Joe Biden's given the, the, the questions ahead of time because he still ain't going to be able to answer them putting together coherent sentences. He puts together words that, that just don't make sense. It's like a fucking with a Rubik's Cube. You know, it's just you put this shit together and it doesn't go together, but at the end you just kind of take this multicolored box and you go, add ah, to hell with it, I'm done. And that's what's happening with Joe Biden. People are seeing him talk, and they're saying they're done. As in this story from redstate.com, from Nicarama, Biden is in trouble. President Donald Trump came close in Minnesota in 2016, which was pretty amazing given that it's been a Democratic state for decades. But now it is most definitely in play, according to polls, which suggests that there may essentially be a tie between Biden and Trump. Factor in the hidden Trump vote, and he may actually be ahead. But there's more indication of positive signs there for Trump. Six Democratic mayors are now endorsing Trump. That's pretty major. Virginia Mayor Larry Cuff, Chisholm Mayor John Champa, Eli Mayor Chuck Novak, Two Harbors Mayor Chris Swanson, Eveleth Mayor Robert Vlasovlejevich, and I apologize for getting that name wrong, and Babbitt Mayor Andrea Zupankich. And again, I apologize if I mispronounced the name. 
But here's part of their letter. So these six Democratic mayors in the state of Minnesota have seen what's happened since the George Floyd riots. They see what's happening with all these riots going on in different cities in the country, and they're tired of it. They want this stuff to stop. But the other mayors won't do it. The governor won't do it. So here's part of their letter. Like many in our region, we have voted Democrats over many decades. We have watched as our constituents' jobs left not only the Iron Range, but our country. By putting tariffs on our products and supporting bad trade deals, politicians like Joe Biden did nothing to help the working class. We lost thousands of jobs and generations of young people have left the Iron Range in order to provide for their families with good-paying jobs elsewhere. Today, we don't recognize the Democratic Party. It has been moved so far to the left it can no longer claim to be advocates of the working class. The hardworking Minnesotans that built their lives and supported their families here on the range have been abandoned by radical Democrats. We didn't choose to leave the Democratic Party. The party left us. Yet four years ago, something wonderful happened. Donald J. Trump was elected president of the United States, and he stood up to China, implemented tax cuts, and fought for the working class. Now, four years later, the Iron Range is roaring back to life, and for the first time in a very long time, locals are hopeful because of this president's policies and willingness to fight for us. Joe Biden, by contrast, they said was out of touch with their needs in the Iron Range and in the country. The biggest risk is our jobs, our economy, and our way of life, they said. Joe Biden doesn't give a shit about the working class. That's been shown in in different campaign stops that he's made. The man who's known as Lunch Bucket Joe has given up on the working class a long time ago. He doesn't care. He doesn't care about jobs. He doesn't care about the economy. That much has been proven. President Trump had the economy better than it's ever been in this country before coronavirus hit. Now, in less than a year, he's got that economy bouncing back. Joe Biden, it's not going to happen. He's going to crash this economy if he's elected president. These Democratic mayors in Minnesota, they know it. They know what Joe Biden's going to do and the harm he's going to cause to the American people, to workers, the economy, jobs, hardworking people like you and me that get up early in the morning. We go and bust our ass for 8, 9, 10, 12 hours a day to put food on our tables, to take care of our kids, to support our families. These are the people that President Trump has proven that he's cared about. He doesn't have to say it. He's shown it. Joe Biden in 47 years in in politics has yet to ever show it. He may talk a good talk at times, but he's not walking the walk. President Trump is walking the walk. The Democrats are starting to see it. Joe Biden is in serious trouble. And it's my prediction right now, the state of Minnesota will be called for Donald Trump in the 2020 election. Now we're going to wrap this show up. I got a few little short stories here that uh, hopefully will will put a smile on your face, make you laugh a little and bit the on the story. Day, teen receives bill for police overtime after organizing Black Lives Matter protest. A teenager in New Jersey who organized a Black Lives Matter rally 
received a $2,500 bill from the town's mayor to cover police overtime for her gathering. Black Lives Matter events held throughout the country have culminated in wide-scale looting, destruction, violence, and death. By the way, this is a story from townhall.com from Bronson Stocking, who I referenced earlier. Mayor Mario Cranjack of Inglewood Cliffs, and I apologize if I mispronounced that mayor's name, of Inglewood Cliffs, New Jersey, doesn't believe it's right for hardworking taxpayers to be on the hook for the criminality of left-wing protesters. Please promptly forward your payment to the borough in the amount of $2,499.26 for the police overtime caused by your protest, the mayor wrote in a letter to the 18-year-old organizer of the event. According to the mayor, the teenager had refused to meet with officials before her protest, requiring leaders to hastily come up with security plans for the event. As with any privately sponsored event that takes place in the borough requiring police safety, an invoice was sent to the organizer for police overtime since it would be unfair to require our residents to financially support a private event, the mayor told New Jersey Advance Media. What's so shocking about it? Sure, Americans have a right to peaceably assemble, but the taxpayer doesn't have to pay for it. You also have a right to own a gun, but taxpayers don't actually buy the gun for you. The legal director for the ACLU in New Jersey, Jeannie Locasero, told the Associated Press, the idea of sending a bill to protesters is shocking. You shouldn't have to make this 18-year-old pay for police. We're trying to defund the police. Well, guess what, bitch? You're about to refund the police. $2,500. I don't know what kind of job you have at 18. I'm guessing you ain't got a damn job. If you're out there organizing Black Lives Matter rallies and protesting and, and causing violence and rioting and looting. I'm guessing you don't have a job. Well... You might want to think about getting one because you got $2,500 that you got to pay. You better start collecting cans like a son of a bitch. Whatever you got to do, donate blood, you know, sell your hair. I don't know what the hell you're going to do, but uh, I'm glad I don't have to pay that $2,500. But it's nice to see there's some people out there that are actually standing up for this kind of thing and saying, hey, we're not going to stick to taxpayers with this $2,500. You want to come in here? Because the main thing was is that, She refused to meet with them before her event. If she would have sat down with them and said, look, this is what I'm going to need. I'm going to need this amount of security, this amount of police. Boom, boom, boom. They could have figured it out. They could have worked it all out. But the fact that they told her, look, we need to sit down and go over this. And she basically gave them a big collective, fuck you. They said, okay, fine. Here's a bill for (laughs) $2,500. I hope they collect on that. I hope they do. I hope they stay with it. If she don't want to pay it, fuck it. Throw her in jail. File a lawsuit against her. I don't know. Do something. But it's time to hold these people accountable for the destruction and the damage that they're out there doing. So anyway, I hope that put a little smile on your face there. Something else that puts a smile on my face. And and, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try not to dig too deep into this and the explanation because I know a lot of you haven't heard too much about this, but since 2018, when Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, Little Miss AOC, not to be confused with AOP, baby, 
Not to be confused with me. You know what the difference is? She's a real C. You know what I'm saying. So ever since Ms. Cortez has, has sworn into office, she and Nancy Pelosi have, they've had a few conversations behind the scenes. Shortly after AOC got to Congress, she started running her mouth about everything that they needed to do to change the way business was being done. Nancy Pelosi didn't like that. See, AOC is a true radical. Nancy Pelosi, she can be a radical when she wants to be, but she's more beholden to the establishment. Well, AOC came in running her mouth about wanting to take over and make the Democratic Party more radical. Well, Nancy Pelosi called her into her office one day, and some of you out there may remember this. There was a little story about this where she basically called AOC in to have a sit-down. Now, there was no word of what happened, which is crazy because the Democrats like to leak everything to the press. But funny, there was nothing about this conversation that was leaked to the media. But I can probably guess as to what was said behind closed doors. And it probably went a little something like this, where Pelosi basically told AOC, know your role and shut your mouth. Yeah, I triggered a little bit of the rock there. So she probably put AOC in her place. She probably told her, look, your day will come. Right now, I'm running the show. So that kind of put AOC on ice for a little while. She still goes out there and runs her mouth. But she she wasn't fighting against the establishment Democrats as much anymore after that. So what we just had recently... So you have to understand, in, in 2018, AOC wanted to push a lot of these radical Democrats. And, and ever since then, she's been wanting to push more and more radical Democrats getting into office in 2020. Well, Nancy Pelosi, when it comes to the House, Nancy Pelosi has basically told AOC, look, we don't campaign against our own. Democrats that are in, o- in office now, we don't campaign against them because we need to keep those Democrats in office. Why is Pelosi saying this? Because most of the Democrats that are in office are all establishment Democrats. So Pelosi doesn't want to see these establishment Democrats get primaried by radical leftist Democrats that are on AOC side. So what did we have here recently? We had Ed Markey, a Democratic senator in Massachusetts. Ed Markey is an extreme radical leftist, much like AOC. He supported her Green New Deal. He believes in all these radical changes that AOC does. Well, on the other side of that, on the Democratic primary, was Joe Kennedy of the famous Kennedy family. Well, Nancy Pelosi threw her support behind Joe Kennedy. Now, if you remember, Joe Kennedy helped a lot of Democrats win in 2018 and helped the Democrats basically take the House. Joe Kennedy was in the House, and he was moving to run for the Senate in Massachusetts. Well, when Nancy Pelosi threw her support behind Joe Kennedy, AOC lost her shit over this, okay? 
AOC just completely lost it on Nancy Pelosi and basically was like, what the fuck? I thought we didn't primary against our own. We don't campaign against our own. So what does Nancy Pelosi say? Well, that really just pertains to the House. That's how we do things in the House. This is the Senate. That's different. It's different because Nancy wants an establishment Democrat to take that spot that's currently held by a radical leftist. Well, AOC doesn't like that, and she's basically, um, her, her response was basically, well, we can't complain about any, any lost elections anymore in the future. Her, her exact quote was, no one gets to complain about primary challenges again. So now what you're going to see is you're going to see AOC, if she keeps her seat in the House, you're going to see her really just push hard against Pelosi in the future. She's going to be going after every establishment Democrat she possibly can with a radical leftist. And folks, this is beautiful. I love seeing shit like this. I don't know about you, but I love it when the Democrats eat their own. And that's what you're going to see more of in the future. That's why, you know what? I almost hope AOC keeps her seat in 2020. Just so I can see what goes on between her and Nancy Pelosi in the future. Because this is going to be so fun to watch, folks. Grab your popcorn, strap in. AOC versus Pelosi. This, this could go 12, 13 rounds here. And I'm looking forward to every bit of it, baby. Bring it on. Bring it on, AOC. Bring on your radical ways. So the last story that I'm going to leave you with, and this is, you know, hopefully, this, this is going to make you laugh. It, it made me laugh. I laughed my ass off when I read this story. So I gotta, we got to hand it to the Canadian people, okay? Things just must be going beautifully in Canada. You know, they, they have no problems with coronavirus. They have no problems with anything. Life is a-okay in the great country of Canada. Because here is Canada's biggest issue right now. Their biggest issue is sex, apparently. A story on redstate.com by Alex Parker, Canada's lead doctor on intercourse 2020 style. Wear a mask. No kissing. No kissing. As per the nation's top doctor, there's a newfangled way everyone should be having intercourse. According to lead physician Teresa Tam, in a public statement, sexual health is an important part of our overall health. <laughs> you bet your ass it is. I know it is where I'm from. So she wants people to do it, but not the way some may prefer. Sex can be complicated in the time of COVID-19, especially for those without an intimate partner in their household or whose sexual partner is at higher risk for COVID-19. So an intimate partner in your household, got to be careful. If you have an intimate partner outside your household, well, shit, that's okay. Partner on the phone, partner on the computer, partner in... Part, I don't know. It's outside your household, so I guess it's safe, right? So you do you. 
So for those looking to lock up outside their four walls, there's she's there to direct. If you choose to engage in an in-person sexual encounter as opposed to a not-in-person sexual encounter, with someone outside of your household or close contacts bubble, there are some steps you can take to reduce your risk. So again, anybody that you know wants to have a not-in-person encounter on the phone, on the computer, hey, do you? You know, I'm, I'm not knocking it. Shit, there's a lot of shit I'm not trying, but I'm not knocking it, baby. You do you. That's what freedom's all about. But if you do want an in-person encounter within your household, she's, she's the one to call. She's got all the answers. The country's chief police, excuse me, the chief's public health officer has some advice that may thrill people in a hurry. You know that whole foreplay thing? Turns out it's for the birds. Current evidence indicates there is a very low likelihood of contracting the novel coronavirus through semen or vaginal fluids. Well, thank God for that. However, even if the people involved do not have symptoms, sexual activity with new partners does increase your risk of getting or passing COVID-19 through close contact like kissing. Folks, let me explain one thing first of all. I've known a couple people who've, who've had the coronavirus I'm willing to go out on a limb. I didn't ask them. It's not my business. But I'm willing to go out on a limb and say they weren't screwing anybody while they were sick. I can tell you right now, they felt like shit the entire time they had COVID. They probably weren't looking to screw anybody. Just a hunch. I could be wrong. I could be wrong. If you had COVID out there and you were sick and you were still having sex and it didn't affect you in any way, just let me know in the comments. And actually, never mind. I don't, I don't want to know. I, I, don't, I really don't care. So therefore, as noted by CNN, the trusted name and news, the place you need to go to when you want to know the truth. You think CNN, don't you? A trusting relationship should first be established, and partners should also consider using a mask that covers the nose and mouth. People. I'm not wearing a mask while I'm fucking. It's not happening. Not going to happen. I don't know about you, but I ain't wearing a mask. So how are you supposed to make out with somebody wearing a goddamn mask? I mean, first of all, who's studying this shit? Right? Like, who's out there conducting a study on people's sexual habits while they while they have COVID? I don't know about you people, but that that's... That's not a study I want to be a part of. I don't want to conduct that study. I don't want nobody showing up, knocking on my door, asking me what kind of COVID sex I'm having and if I'm wearing a mask. I don't even like wearing a mask when I go to the damn grocery store. I do it because I'm forced to, but I don't like it. So I damn sure ain't wearing a mask within the confines of my own home when I'm with a woman. It ain't happening. Sorry. Sorry, Canada. Sorry, Doc. It's not happening. It says, so you got that? If you're out on the prowl and find a mate with whom to mate, keep it classy. No kissing. No more kissing, folks. And be responsible. Make them cover their face. You know, I could just see a guy bringing a woman home. You know, maybe you've been out somewhere. You obviously can't go to a damn bar, but man, maybe you're out at a restaurant, you went out on a dinner date, had a few drinks in you, you take her home. Baby, tonight's the night. 
Tonight's the night we're going to do it. We're going to take that next step. But first, I need you to put this little mask over your face. I need you to cover your face for me. We got to practice safe sex. Got to cover that face up. How? We all know how that conversation is going to end. First of all, the man ain't getting no sex that night. You tell a woman to cover her face up. He's liable to be missing a few teeth at the end of that conversation. But but that's their guideline. Make them cover their face up. Says seems about right for 2020. Formerly wanting someone to wear a bag and foregoing foreplay would have been an unwelcome move. But now you're the citizen of the year. So go the rules for Canada's Mounties, as well as for non-Royal Canadian Mounted Police. However, there is one caveat that may cramp your Casanova style. Sex should be avoided if either person has COVID-19 symptoms, the statement says. Well, no shit. That kind of goes without saying. You know, this isn't really one of these things where, hey, baby, I've got COVID, you've got COVID. Eh, let's fuck. You know, that's, that's got to be one of the worst pickup lines I ever heard. Sex should be avoided if either person has COVID-19 symptoms, the statement says, suggesting limiting your use of alcohol and other substances so you and your partners are able to make safe decisions. Folks, isn't that one of the fun parts of, of drinking a lot of alcohol? Sometimes you make a few bad decisions, baby. I know, I've made a few in my day. Don't, you ain't got to look at me like that. I know you have too. I know you've made some bad decisions in your day after having a few old drinky poos thrown in you. You know, you knock back a few shots. Next thing you know, you're waking up next to something you might not have otherwise woken up next to. We've all been there. We've all done it, baby. I ain't afraid to admit it. Ain't no shame in my game, baby. I've made some bad decisions. You've made some bad decisions. Ain't nobody shaking a clean stick at nobody on that one. Perhaps it's just as well. For those hooking for a lookup or looking for a hookup, if you're already sacking your faces and there's no pressure to kiss, maybe the alcohol is not so integral of a component. So there you have it, folks, from the great folks of Canada. God damn, you got to love Canadians, right? Put a mask over your face, put a bag over your head while you're having sex. It's the only humane thing to do, folks. Anyways, I hope those stories brought a smile to your face. I hope you're having a great Labor Day out there listening to my bullshit. So I want to thank you all for watching this on YouTube, for listening on the podcast. And I hope everybody's having a great and have a safe Labor Day out there. When I say safe, I don't mean put a face, put a mask over your face or a bag over your head while you're having sex today. It's not the kind of safe I'm talking about. I mean, don't drink and drive. If you're going to have drinks, stay your ass at home. Fire up the grill. Barbecue a little. That's what I'm doing. Got some stuff out on the grill today. I'm going to have me some uh, some good eatings here in a little bit. So leave me a comment below. Let me know what you're doing on this Labor Day. I hope you're staying safe out there. I hope you're spending time with the people you love. I want to thank all of you for tuning in. This has been Episode 1 of the American Outlaw Patriot Podcast.